to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. You need to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. Cause it get cold like Minnesota. Cold like Minnesota. Cold like Minnesota. Cold like Minnesota. You need to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. You need to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. Cause it get cold like Minnesota. Hello there. The nasal, whiny sound you're well, hearing. You're not selling yourself immediately. I'm trying to be honest. Hold with, it. With Let's make listener. a mark and go again. Oh, Three, go again? two, one. Hey there. Welcome to Rinky Dinking. The voice you hear is a little bit different than what you've normally heard, but as so often happens in the NHL, I think we need a change of coaches here. The organization feels things wow, have gone stale. you always want to fire coaches. <laughs> yes. it's, it's merely, hold it, Mike. It's it's merely white elephant. There you we're go. In, we're in the season of giving, and I'm giving you the floor this week I, I on like Rinky it. Dinky. This is actually a really good exercise because I've pushed you on a couple of things, and you've said, eh, I don't really want to talk about myself. I still myself. don't. And but, you don't. But good luck today. But you said, this is your show. You can do what you want to do. It's not my show. It's our show. No, you show. said to me yes, that this show is that. my show, and I get to talk about what I want to do. So I'm going to try and push you on a couple of things because, and, and I know you hate all this stuff, but you are a former athlete, mm-hmm. 42nd overall pick in the draft Mm -hmm. and you've had to go through the experience that many athletes go through Mm -hmm. which gives insight to our listener who Mm -hmm. we're here to serve aren't we Mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm hoping we'll uh we'll find out some new and exciting things here well we entertain on this podcast but we also disappoint and i think we're going (laughs) to lean toward the latter today this might be the greatest podcast it might but i doubt it go ahead all right my line of subject is adversity Mm mm-hmm I like that. Now, let me say this before I, I let you have at it. I like the idea that you actually came up with a theme right. for this week's podcast, and that theme being adversity, because we all, in every walk of life, certainly in sports, uh, we face it. And especially when you get into the heart of the winter months and what have you, it feels like it gets a little, it's a deep cut once you get into there. You don't know how tough you are until you really test yourself, Daryl. There you go. Uh, That comes up right now because of the games we have coming in Winnipeg on uh, Tuesday and then in Dallas on Thursday against the Jets. Uh, The Stars went from riding high, having a chance to get within two points of the uh, Central Division leading St. Louis Blues. But then in an 0-2-1, poof. Now they're seven points back, and they're back into the soup. And I think that's an interesting way of looking at how the seasons are going. Um, I, w- I actually did research for you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all this. From 1993 to 2003, the President's Trophy winner... Team with the most points. ...went to the conference finals, or better, winning the cup or whatever, nine out of ten times. Back in the day, if you were the best team in the league, you were the best team in the league. The last four President's Trophies winners winners have not gotten out of the second round. Last year, all four division champions lost in the first round, which brings us to the Tampa Bay Lightning and saying, how do we deal with adversity? Well, we didn't have any adversity last year. So mm-hmm. then once the playoffs came, we were not ready for adversity. And so in that regard, I think adversity during a season, at least in today's NHL, can be a very good thing. Yeah. It, I mean, if you, if you look at those numbers or those dates, 
back in the day, there was such a difference between the good teams and the rest. Right. So if you were the best team of the really good teams, you were really good. And you were probably playing a much more inferior club early in the playoffs. And you could maybe get on a roll and then you had to prove yourself like the Stars did, let's say, in in the conference finals in, in 98, 98, uh, 99, 2000, right? Right. Seven games, six game series and what have you. So, uh, nowadays it just seems like there, there's so much parody and, but, but then you say that and then you look at a case like the, the, the lightning last year and you think to yourself, okay, well parody, but they won 60 games. So there wasn't that much parody. They were, they were a better team than the team they were playing night after night, after night, after night. Then they get into a series where one club can drill down on them. And it, this, this used to be the argument in past on, uh, because back in the day, there were five-game uh, series. Yeah. And, man, you want to see some upsets. Like you, All you have to do is win three games out of five. You, goalie steals one. Now you just got to win two. Yeah. And you would see some of these upsets, and that's why they switched it back to a longer series for everything, just to get the better clubs through. Now, I, did, I don't know, best of nine? We had those in junior, you know. <laughs> those were, oh, my God. Never, ever hope, wish for best of nine series unless you're the owner and want to fill your pockets with playoff money otherwise just awful have a few overtime games in there too. oh it was no but you beat i mean think about it you'd yeah. win four we beat portland four straight and we had to play another game it was crazy and all only bad things can happen yeah. right once yeah, you, get you stretch there. it out that long but i i mean yeah, I, I would say there's something to be said for having to go through something during a season, whether it's as an individual or as more so as a team. Yeah, that you, you don't bond together when it's all puppy dogs and rainbows. You know, it's, you think it's never going to end, and sometimes even within runs within the season, you you get this false sense of invincibility, which feeds your your run. Right. But at the same time, it clouds the other parts of of your game, and then all of a sudden, when it goes poof, and it's gone, you, it, you feel like a dog paddling to get to the side of the pool uh, because you feel like you're, you're starting to sink a little bit again and you yeah. can't find anything. It's the, it's the oddest thing. And that's why I truly believe that, that your championship caliber teams in whatever sport it is, they either manufacture adversity internally, uh, and, but they, it, there are two things, and I think this is true to today. I, I don't think this is just a, a yesteryear thing. It's win or misery. Right. Day in and day out, and it's it's not fun. And we seem to have a a climate right now where we want things to be much easier. I think everyone wants it to be nicer, softer, and easier, which is not a bad thing. Right? Like it, it can't be just go through life just miserable all the times. But there, there has to be some sacrifice within there. Of I'm not going to do that because I I have a clear vision of what I want to do here, and. Too much smiley face, happy fun time is going to derail what I believe. Whether that's true anymore or not, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you still need ebbs and flows of that within the season. But for the most part, you, you have to lay down you have to lay down a belief 
within your group that it's going to be that it's going to be winter misery and then you have to have your core collection of individuals on a team that that is what they believe in either they either they've gone through it and that's what they've come to believe they were taught somehow through osmosis or through lessons or it's just who they are then you get that i think the boston bruins are a pretty good example of that now like even when they when things are not going well within a game whether it's my old buddy behind the bench or it's that core guys on the ice they look like they would chew your arm off in order to get back on top and win that game that's a that's an excellent quality for a championship level club yeah i'm gonna get to the bruins a little bit later okay i'm sorry i got ahead of myself i don't know i don't have a list this i know this is great i love this interestingly enough Last year, this team faced, the Dallas Stars faced some adversity, and out of the locker room after wins, they started playing Obladi Oblada, which is life goes on. You know, you, can only, you can't worry about things too much because there's going to be more problems True. tomorrow and the next day. Yeah. And it's interesting to find that balance because I actually do think that helped a guy like Jamie Benn, who I think shoulders a lot of the bad because he's the captain and he feels he has to fix everybody. Mm-hmm. And so then having that thought process. And he's of, an internalizer too, yes, I think. Yes, exactly. And so then having whoever came up with that, I think Como or somebody like that. He'd have been a good 40s, 50s guy. Yes, he would have. Well, you look back at this and I'm going to get to totes later in this and just how the mindset of a generation is changed in mm-hmm. 20 years. I mean, it's amazing how when we grew up, what we expected and how kids now, what what they expect as far as adversity goes. But I do think it's, it's interesting to watch Jamie and some of the other players within the locker room try and get that balance of, I do care, I care a lot, but I, I need to calm this down because I'll kill myself mm-hmm. if we lose three games in a row. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think it gets frustrating for some individuals when you get a perception that you care more than others. And I think we've seen that even from whether it be coaching staffs to, to the players, or whatever, yeah. you know, I, I can remember, you know, bold statements. We can't care more than the players do right. about winning and losing. Yeah. Now, whether that's a misread on things and just like, I, I was listening this morning to a, you know, to the ticket back home talking about the Cowboys in that. And, you know, Michael Bennett went off and yelled and screamed in the in the room. And there's there's there is a belief out there that yelling and screaming is leadership and it's not. And you hear all the time, well, I want a coach that just gets after their asses. You know, like I want I want a coach that's just going to run up and down the sideline looking like he's maniacal and and stopping short of grabbing guys by the cage and reefing them around. the reality is when you when you play for those types of guys, I mean, every now and then it can have an effect, but that can't be your go-to. No. It doesn't, and especially now, I don't think that motivates, like, Totsi's generation Well, even kids. back in the day, Ken always said, the play, we have, when I've succeeded as a coach is when the players take over the team. Like, he really, truly believed and, that. And I, I believe that. I think anybody that has been around any kind of, uh, and it doesn't even have to be just sports, but yeah. anything, that once your employees basically take ownership of your company or right. of, your, of your team, you got something really believable going on. Yeah. But in, how you get there... Pushing is a lot the, of buttons. Is the puzzle. 
And that's why I think this is interesting, just on the mindset of the human brain and dealing with adversity and, and everything like that. So I'm going to lead to you. And, uh, Are we leaving adversity? Uh, no, this is going to... Are we talking toughness? We're Where gonna, are we going? We're going up to adversity in an individual. Uh, you had had to deal with a lot of injuries in your career. And like I, I'll repeat again, you were a really high-level athlete. I know you like to joke about it and be the Bob Uecker and everything. We're, we're, we're always much better... Uh, in the, in the, the past. The more distance we have from our actual playing days. <laughs> but you were taken 42nd overall. You were considered one of the best goalies in your age group. And so then you come up and you want to go through the process of becoming a pro player. What were the three posters you had on your wall or when you were a teen? It's more a story about failure than it is about <laughs> no, it's really toughness not. or adversity. But You had... The Ken posters Dryden. I had, I had a I had a uh, Lamborghini Countach yes. above my closet, a red one. Uh, God, I wanted that vehicle. I, I I think I ended up with a, a 300. This is my Canadian side, a 300 ZX. Ooh, uh, that was Nissan. red. That was about the closest I got to my Lamborghini. But if you squinted, it looked like one. T tops on my ZX. I believe you Americans call it a ZX. But uh, anyway, uh, and then I had, well, there was a change in, in young Daryl Ray where I had basically an entire wall covered with Ken Dryden. Yes. Right. That gave way, uh, you know, in the early stages of puberty to an entire wall of Charlie's Angels. It's very on, nice. On the wall. Nice uh, maturing there. Well, it was just, you know, his motivation. Yeah. More than anything. My point on all this is you really had a high bar, and I think you still do, on how you want to do things. Okay. So whether Decorating? That's, is that what you're talking no, about? No, but like, I mean, I've seen you reading Architects Digest or The yeah. Finest Airplanes. Or like, you had this really high bar. <laughs> yeah, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well, I'm just saying, you had Dreamer. it for yourself as well. Yeah, no, I was going to get this stuff. I, I was going to get what I wanted to get. Like people, I'm, I can remember aunts and and uh, uncles and teachers that you know they and they all ask you, "What are you going to fall? What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "Well, I'm going to be a hockey player." Well, well, that's nice and everything, but what do you want to fall back on? I'll fall back on being a hockey player. That's right. So then, when you're in I also want to be a cowboy, though. Well, you are very, you are a very good cowboy. Well, you're a ranch. Bad. I call you a rancher. Not bad. Is that okay? Well, I drink ranch water. That's my go-to <laughs> drink, which is a terrific drink. More summertime than than this time of year. But I digress. So when you get to that point when you can't do that, or when something gets in the way, like an injury, mm. how do you deal with that, and what does that oh, make man, you that, as a person? Isn't that the hardest thing, though? When it retirement's a little bit that yeah. way too. I think it, it, when things get taken away, that you're just you're not ready for it. injuries are the worst part of it because you truly aren't ready for stopping. Whether it's just for a time or if it's okay, this is the end of things. And I experienced, you know, all those things. I really don't like talking about myself. I know you don't, <laughs> but I do think you're a great barometer of how do you deal with this when you set up. Well, I had a few like. I was playing in the minors. Stevie Tajura skated over my finger and cut my finger, my my pointer finger off. Uh, not off all the way; it was dangling, but cut right right through the tendons and through the knuckle and everything. Kind of important for a goalie. Well, it was on my stick hand and everything. Yeah, it was difficult. So I had microsurgery. They stuck a pin through it, sewed it back together, and that it was. I mean, it was useless. It was just basically I looked like I was making the gun sign all the time, and but I. I I, this was late in the season, and I really wanted 
it was my first year pro and I really wanted to go up to Edmonton as the third goaltender. They'd already told me that I was going to go up there for the playoffs, man. I was looking forward to that. And, uh, I, I wanted it so bad that I told I, I, I would tape my hand to my stick in practice and it would hurt. I mean, can you imagine like every time a guy shot a puck, it would hit that stick and vibrate and then it would shoot through my hand and then shoot through that pin through my finger, through the bone and just rattle it. Yeah. But it was like if I if I say, you know, it hurts too much, they're going to take a different guy. Right. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going. I was going to be the one that was going to go. So I, I ultimately, they, I think they saw that. I think, I think they did. They wouldn't say. But I think they, they were like, my God, this kid really wants to be yeah. here. <laughs> so I fought through that and did that. The, I mean, the other ones, I had a big one when I was in Finland. I had surgery in Finland, which is quite a story altogether. Because you don't speak the language. Uh, we were in Uvascula. I was awesome in Finland, too. These Finns on this team have no understanding of just how good I was. I thought the stories were still being tossed around. Well, they should. <laughs> well, I don't know whether the, you know, Rope and these guys, whether they travel far enough north. Yeah, that's true. You that's know, for the I, tough, tough stories. Olu are. is up there. Basically, I think uh, Santa leaves his workshop, and I believe when he goes to get groceries and things, he goes to Olu yeah. to pick, you know, it's like a corner store in Olu, that far north. And uh, I was, I was... Unbelievable! Uh, there was like me and Solani over there at the time. He was he was younger. He was just a teenager. He had not come over here yet. Uh, but I blew my knee out, uh, my MCL. So I had surgery there. And <laughs> you know, you're in a hospital. Nobody speaks your language. Right. And so I have I have some uh, connection to these guys that come over here that don't speak like Val Nachushkin. Yeah. And like that's not it's not easy. Everywhere you go. You know, I bought reindeer meat one day thinking I was buying beef and cooked it. I couldn't even get my fork in it. It was so tough. Didn't tenderize it, huh? They loved Well, I don't think you could. And they, they would laugh at me. But I, I'd go to the grocery store. I didn't know what I was buying. I didn't know how much money it was. I'd just hand them. It was like, it might have been $10, and I would hand them like four grand right. worth of Finnish money. And they just kind of look at me sometimes, and I'm like, I don't I don't know. Now, of course, I, I took teammates a few times in that to help out big items. But uh, when I when I got injured and had the surgery, I'm in the I'm in the recovery room, and it was one of those recovery rooms where everyone's in this this big room. You come out of your your little coma, and I look up, and everyone has a heartbeat monitor above them. So there's, I don't know. There's probably six men in this recovery room the nurses and them are coming in they're all speaking finnish which is just it's good, very easy language good to luck, learn. right that's the easiest thing going on but and then they answer back to you after you say hello how are you and then you're just lost i english so i look up so i i hit my button because i'm looking around and everybody's monitors are around 100 90 in the 80s yeah. And that I think the uh, the lowest one, other than mine, might have been in the seventies, and mine was at forty two. And I'm I'm panicked. I'm like I'm dying. I'm going to die on the recovery table here after getting my knee surgically repaired. So I hit the button. Nurse comes over, and now they're you can tell when people are panicked on their faces, right? And I just point like this, and I'm like, and she's scrambling in that, and they run out, and two more nurses come in, and they look, and then they run back out. 
in comes uh, finally our my doctor, and he walks in with the nurse, and they're laughing a little bit and that. And he talks to me, how you feeling, blah, blah, blah. And then off he goes. And she goes, it, it is okay. You are athlete. Resting heartbeat, fine. You are athlete. That's they great. They did not understand that. There was that. And then the, the nurse kept coming and asking if I was peeing. And that was, you know, they were fighting through English a little bit. So after I'd woken up, and they're just making sure everything's working yeah. down there as far as plumbing. And, but she didn't phrase it properly. And the guy, my teammates would do the same thing. They would mix up their hymns and their hers, and you were trying to follow them in a conversation, and they were trying hard in English, and it was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I kissed him, maybe, it was like, <laughs> okay, well, whatever there, Yanni. Uh, but, but this nurse kept coming in, and she would ask me, if I was peeing and I'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not peeing. I'm fine. I'm not. She wanted to know if I had gone to the bathroom, right? but she could not say it properly. So I just kept saying no. And she kept getting more and more concerned and more and more concerned. And again, they had to run off and find somebody else. But as far as the injury is concerned, they, they wanted me to get back and play so bad and again, this there was no oversight whatsoever, right? right. I'm, I was loaned out by Edmonton uh, to the team in Olu, Carpat, and they they basically shot my knee up in order to get me into a playoff game against Jokerit and Solani's club. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that. You don't shoot up a, new, a knee injury. A, a, a but you were on board with knee. it, weren't you? Oh yeah, I mean we had you a wanted little, to. Beat Solani. We had a little mini meeting, and it was just kind of like, well, I can't. I, there was too much pain. I can't play unless it's just numb. And they're like, all right, well, we can make it numb. <laughs> Boom. It felt like it was 500 pounds, that leg. Did and you I, win? Did you beat Solani? No, we didn't win. Dang it. He ate me alive. I couldn't move. And <laughs> I finally had to come out of, uh, out of the second game. I just couldn't do it anymore. Then I left Finland. Yeah. That was the end of it. So when you go to Hartford, do you have some success there? Yeah. No, I, I did. I was rocking along, and then we were right here in Winnipeg. And it was the middle of a game, and, you know, it's, I'm warm, everything. Guy comes down the wing, Mackle, Mac Wayne, I think his name was, under the queen here, having a decent game, kick out my right leg. And it was like somebody stuffed a rod from the bottom of my leg straight up through my caboose. And I was in pain. They had torn the hamstring off the bone right at my cheek. and Not completely, right. but most of it. I didn't know that at the time. So back then, it's commercial flights, right? So they, they get me up and they pack me off the ice. Uh, no stretcher or anything. Right. <laughs> they just get you back up. Right. Off you go and all my gear, all my help. I get off. They have me on crutches. You walk out on crutches. The yeah. team was leaving. I forget where they were going, but the team was going somewhere else. We were on a road trip, and I had to go obviously go back home. So, <laughs> what do they do? They, they. I'm at a. I'm just at the hotel overnight. The next morning, uh, they they're leaving. They drug me up so that I can. I had to sit on a plane yeah. from Winnipeg back to Hartford and connect. I think I connected through <laughs> no. Minnesota. I had to connect. Drugged up. On crutches. Didn't even get your wheelchair or anything. The, the one thing they got me was I I had to sit in first class. I couldn't sit yeah. down. So I got a first class seat. But on a commercial flight, I had to get through and on and everything. And then Sherry Evison, 
Dean Everson, who's the assistant coach now in, in uh, Minnesota, his wife picked me up at the airport and she just started, when she saw me, she just started bawling. Yeah. Because it was, I was a mess and it was a mess and off I went. So that was really the end of things at the NHL level. I made the NHL not, made the NHL, blew that out. And then the, you know, they, the medical attention at that time is nowhere near what it is now. Well, and I was going to ask, did you try and come back from the hamster? Oh, of course. Yeah. And I played the next year, but it was never the same. Was it important to do that? Uh, did it make you a stronger person? What to come to come back again? Yeah, yeah. Or, pro- you could have just probably, given up. but at the same time, it was it was one of those. You know, I I could bang around in the minors and try to fight my way back up there again, and I was like, no, it's probably time to move yeah. on to another vocation because it hurt too much when I played. Like it was never right. I probably should have had full surgery on it. Yeah, and they, you know, they were kind of like, well, you're. No, we'll see how it is. We'll ice it, stim back then. Like it was, think about it now. Like these players have such unbelievable uh, medical attention from from their their day to day their yeah. preparation to play their their uh their rehab their their strength and conditioning the num the number of people and experts that are around that are phenomenal at their job when i started in pro hockey it, in the minors especially the guy that sharpened your skates was also your medical guy yeah on every team every team well he knew how to sew the numbers on the jersey so he could stitch up an arm uh, or, or yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's some nasty <laughs> scars out there because of the stitching ability of those guys. Yeah. So, you know, they nice, they were they were good people yeah. in that, but they were understaffed and I and there was no oversight whatsoever. And you just kind of they shrugged and you shrugged and you moved on. If you could deal with the pain, you dealt with yeah. the pain. And uh after a while I was just like, no. I had to drive. I had a Jeep then. So, after the season was done, I had to drive my Jeep from Hartford to Vancouver. Oh, my God. Yeah, to get it back across country, right? Yeah. And I, I got one of those pregnant women donuts that they sit on after they've had birth. It was the only way that I could sit that long in my Jeep and drive. And again, it was my, it was my right leg, so it was, was my gas, gas pedal right? in that, so I had to use Didn't it. Did you have the cruise on the Jeep? It was, no, there was no cruise. <laughs> I, drove, I drove through the Dakotas uh, buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> just I all I had I had a, a pair of cutoff uh, that the old blue remember the blue underwear everyone wore back in the day yeah under their gear I had a cutoff pair of that that was just shredded and that was all I wore because there was no air conditioning and it was like a thousand degrees going across there going back home in pain because of my my hamstring I, to this day if I if I drive in my car more than an hour and a half I have to sit on I have to sit on my uh-huh. hand on that side it's just yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, so did that help you? I, in I don't know whether vocation? it's. I don't know if it's toughness or stupidity though to get through that stuff and carry on. But it did push me. Yeah, at that point, I was like, you know what, D- done. I'm not doing this right. anymore. Because you get to a point. Somebody who was it we were talking about recently that uh, when you have a player that just keeps getting injured. And after a while, you're, you you just have had enough because yeah. all you're doing is rehabbing. And rehabbing is really, really hard. Like, it's one thing to rehab thing as a civilian. Right. You know, where you're just trying to get it back to where you can function in life. When you have to rehab to a point where you can do what athletes do in whatever sport, 
And then you get injured again, yep. and then you do it again, and then you get injured again, and then you look and you're like, I'm spending more time rehabbing injuries than I am playing the game. Yeah. I'm going to get out of the game. So I did. You're really like a machine. Like it's like, I am a machine. No, I'm totes. just saying athletes are. So then when you need to perform, like if you have a car that's breaking down or whatever, yeah. it's not worth it. You need to go get a new car. The, uh, the, the one thing I used to worry about all the time I, uh, was... Uh, actually, Hitch made me play with a knee injury in junior, too. I'm going to sue him. I think you should. I, I will. He's got a lot of money. I wasn't very good either. <laughs> we would have won the Western Hockey League two years in a row if I hadn't been injured and played better. I was terrible. Uh, a kick in the manberries. I used to worry about this because of the position I played, and our equipment wasn't very good in that area. Again, we were so dumb. God, we were stupid. But, you know, he used to open up as a goaltender for skate saves and stuff like that. And then pucks would get deflected and they go up underneath your cup. And it was a revelation when I learned that you could wear, you should wear two cups. You should wear a player's cup and then a goaltender's cup over top. But these, these sort of foam encased cups that we would wear as a goaltender actually just sort of sat as a flap. They didn't tuck underneath. And so when you your op- listeners need to be watching. So when you when you opened this. up, and a guy deflected the puck, there were times when it would just basically it was like laying the boys on a table and then and then smacking it. Think of the pain involved in that. I can't in the middle imagine. of a game. Yes. So I looked this up. They said a kick in the manberries is above nine thousand nine thousand del units of pain. Okay, which is similar to the pain level of giving birth to 160 kids and breaking up to 3,500 bones at once. That kind of pain. See, so, adversity, it makes you stronger. Got two daughters. Managed to save the boys through all the years. But there are some that, that didn't. Yeah. There was, uh, there was a, and I'm not, this is not a joke. This is this is gospel. There was a goaltender in junior named Larry Dick, D Y C K, Canadian spelling, who lost a testicle. Lost a testicle by that manner. It's a hard sport. One ball man, Larry Dick. <laughs> Totes, can you find some music for that? Probably, <laughs> probably go, go to, to break, break right now. <laughs> we'll be back. We're back in the Where did we go? We, we, we went. I, I think, do that all the time, too. We don't go anywhere. No, we're he just plays here. good cuts of music. Is he going with uh, the Guess Who? I don't. We, I never know till after. I never know. We're in Winnipeg. I know where we're at. I love the Guess Who. Burton Cummings Jr., musical genius. Burton Cummings, Bruno Gerussi, thinking of Canadians. You guys weren't into. There's a band called Bruno Gerussi's Medallion. Whoa. Now, Bruno Gerussi. Canadian icon, Sunday nights, Molly's Reach. This is just yeah, I know. like it's the tragically hip. It's completely, just completely just over completely your head. Anyway, Mike. Let's go back to the adversity question. Kind oh, God. Bring, oh. It, bring it to today's... I'm fighting through adversity just getting through this podcast today. To today's athlete. 
Daniel Carcillo said the other day on Twitter. Oh, he said a I lot know, of He's stuff. had a lot of stuff, but we've got a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah. Um, basically, that part of the problem with the hockey culture is it's all we and not I, and which I think leads to a lot of mm-hmm. what you were talking about in that the we is, you know, we are going to play through this as a team. We are going to have our knees shot up. <laughs> we, we are going to do this all together. And, we and, are going to get hit in the we knee. <laughs> and Carcillo saying if people will take the I, which I think you agree with a little bit on that you need to be an individual advocate for yourself when yeah, you're going through difficult things. Yes. So now it's the, that line of where do we and I separate? Because I think you and I as older guys, I love we. I think we is really important to making hockey special because there are other sports where we is not a big deal. And I think we yeah. is what gets you through. Like we'll tell heroic stories of Mike Madonna or, or Brett Hull playing through game six of the Stanley Cup playoffs because they wanted that trophy. Well, they did. There was also peer pressure. Again, that's the we, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it, we're, in a, we're in a bit of a battle here right now yeah. between these two, these two ways of, of thinking that there, there are a lot of guys, especially nowadays, the young guys in our sport, and I, I get it, that they, they see the other major sports – and the individuality getting rewarded and everyone pointing at that and him doing this. And I, I, I have an issue both ways, kind of. I, I think too much of just the head down, plow forward we is not good, too. Bad things have happened in the history of the world with that stuff. Yes, indeed. Uh, you can do a lot as, as, a, as a fist, more so than a finger, if you want to use all these analogies in that. But the, the idea that the individual needs to be celebrated a little bit more in our, our sport, I, I believe in now, too. I, I, I've hated – like, speaking of, of Solani, and, uh, as we were earlier, and Winnipeg, like – Think of how long ago that was when he threw his glove in the air and shot it like he was duck hunting after he scored a goal. But no, nobody, I mean, for the most part, we've just bashed guys after scoring a goal. Right. That's the whole idea. It should be celebrated any way you want to do it. And it is an entertainment industry. It and is. If you entertain the fans, isn't that a good thing? But remember, like, uh, Alex Ovechkin did the My Stick's So Hot thing it was kind of hokey but at the same time it was like i don't have any issue with that and they pretty much just ran him out of the rink for that yeah back in the day a guy named uh, dave tagger williams used to write he didn't score very many goals but he would get on his stick and write it right down the middle of the rink that's tiger for you american yes <laughs> what did i say tiger <laughs> that's talking like a canadian there tiger tiger it's tiger uh so I, I wish they had. I, I wish they did more with that yeah. than just you know the again the wee fist bump at the bench. I remember there was a debate over that yeah. whether that was too much. Why don't you just go back to center ice and drop the puck again? Well, okay. Now I'll go with my old man thing. I'm watching the NFL on Sunday, and we've got defensive tackles who made a tackle for a three yard gain, jumping up when their team's down 14 points. Saying so, how cool they are. Okay, now we're sitting on one side of the table, and we don't think much of this. Although I think I understand it a little bit more now. And Totes is just sitting there, just nodding his head. He's like, "That was great, and that's awesome, and I love that." And 
He likes all of that. He has no issue with any of that. No, as a as a huge NBA fan, I'm all for individuality in sports. And actually, I talked to Miro last year about if he would ever do the Solani celebration, throwing his glove up and ski shooting it, and uh, he laughed and said no. <laughs> of course. Uh, no. No. Of course not. <laughs> the... I, I wish there was more of it. Yeah, I, I, I think, and not just for attention. I, th- I think as almost a release. I, I think there's a lot of this stuff is bottled right now, especially in our sport. Yeah, that you have this generation coming, and th- they're they're the league right now, and yet they're still trying to be respectful and don't want to step outside. They don't know what the repercussions are going to be, so it just continues to be score, go bump fists at the bench, go to center ice, drop the puck. Yeah. And it's interesting on the other end of all this is the advocate for yourself, because I think Brad Marchant was criticizing the concussion spotters who took him out of a game. Mm -hmm. And then he apologized because I think the Players Association got to him and said, which is fine. I do think there has to be somebody has to be looking out for you. And so then if the Players Association is protecting the health of the players long term, because I do believe the we culture has made it so I don't really. But then have the a argument there—the argument there—is going to be, well, you're just making it easier to be soft. I agree with that, but again, is soft healthy? Is soft can, agree. So, can it be a good thing? I know it goes this way, and then it goes this way, right? Because you you do have to save them from themselves, right? That's why there's the Department of Player Safety and all this stuff involved out spotters uh, because if you just left it up to the athletes again there's so much peer pressure and then there's pressure not as much now as there was on you're going to lose your job it's tough to lose your job now because of contracts right it just is yeah you're guaranteed like it, you signed you're they're not going to get rid of you back in the day after a while they were just like well you know i think he's injury prone he doesn't really want to play uh, we're just going to get rid of them and move on. Yeah. There would be no patience. There'd be no... Like, I, I mean, Stephen Johns is a good example. Yeah. To have... I mean, uh, the agent, the organization, and Stephen should all be commended for j- sticking with this. Right. And hopefully it, it has an ending that everyone can be happy about, that they were patient, it paid off, he's, he's healthy, the health of the individual is the most important thing. But I'm telling you... 20 years ago, he wouldn't have a job. Like no. they, they would just move on. They'd go, oh, you know, it sucks for you, and here we go. Yeah. We're going to move on to somebody else. Moving back to the adversity thing, I'm, my hope is that whatever he does, whether that's coming back as a player or becoming a great broadcaster, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that this— Still waiting for that over here. <laughs> this would help him, like going through this process, because I, you see it in his eyes how hard it oh, is yes. for him. Yes, yes. And, you know, that goes to the level of this guy— all he wanted to, he's from a little town in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. All he wanted to de- do was be an NHL player. And now he is one, and then it gets taken away, and then how does he deal with that? It's, it, it really is intriguing on how the brain, and then I think he's left to you know, think about this a lot. You know, how does his brain deal with that, and how does it make sense of it you know, going forward? Well, his agent, the Bartlett boys, and I, uh, I had Steve Bartlett during my career. Uh, they, they, they've done everything in their power. I think the stars have done everything in their power. Everyone's done right. their job in this. And it looks like it's it's going down a path where th- there's going to be a payoff, which yeah. I think is phenomenal because it wouldn't have happened in past. Yeah. What do you think of this 
What do you think of this statement, both of you? Warriors are not born. They are not made. Warriors create themselves through trial and error, pain and suffering, and their ability to conquer their own faults. From the Book of Ray? So the idea that that you're either that way or you aren't from birth, right. or somebody can make you into that, somebody, not you, but somebody, or is it just something that gets developed within you? I think it's a lot of things. And I wanted to ask you about that growing up in the household that you grew up in. Why Did, me? Well, okay, you're asking me, you're asking Just turning into an interview, Totes. I know. Uh, Charlie Rose here. That you might want to use somebody else. If you were, oh, that's true. If you yeah. were a tree, Daryl, what kind of tree would you be? You've got to be careful on your references I know, nowadays. They, I know. There's just so many. There things. is a lot. There's yes. a lot of um, uh, bear traps you can step yes. into. Um, but I believe that I was very fortunate to have parents who, one, were really good and who didn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so I was faced with a lot of disappointment as a little kid who wanted what the other kids in school wanted, but then I learned to deal with the fact I wasn't. But were there a lot of other kids that had a lot of stuff? Yeah. When you, were there? Yeah. Traverse City had a oh, real okay. mix of rich and poor. See, I, I really didn't have to- You didn't have that? I, no, not, not really. The, my biggest jealousy, like growing up in Prince George, I think for the most part, we were all on the same- level like some kids maybe lived in a little bit of a better neighborhood or whatever i didn't even understand that then i just thought we all lived we all if we all went to quinson elementary we were all on the same level we all went to this school we you know everybody was the same now you learn that wasn't quite the truth down the road but the the guys from fort st john who are our big rival uh mike mazanoff and peter martin were their two goaltenders and this was oil country up north. Cake eaters? What's that? Cake no, eaters? no, 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 no. They're, cake eaters are south. <laughs> this know, is up north. Th- these are the guys that you you would pull into a truck stop, and every truck, there'd be 25 trucks in the wintertime. Every one of them was running. they just run it all the way. They'd stop for an hour and a half and just run their trucks. They make their own gas. For, for two reasons. One, they were wealthy. And two, because it was so cold, they want, there were no automatic starters back right. in the day. Keep the but anyway, these two goaltenders, we're 12 years old, right? I'm, I've got patchwork equipment that I'm dealing with, and I was awesome. I was phenomenal at 12, by the way, Toast. You were like six foot three. I was good. I was really good. <laughs> and, uh, but we'd go play uh, Fort St. John, and they were rich kids yeah. because of, of oil and gas. And these two, they had two goaltenders. They had uh, custom fiberglass masks painted up as kiss oh no that was so cool yes at 12 years old right in in like what was it 1977 or something like that so they they had they had mask they they had custom pro pads and gloves they had everything like everything and it was intimidating yeah and we would go out there and we were we were better but we were intimidated and it even the playing field a little bit for a while yeah. until we realized, you know what? My catalog arm pads and pads on my legs that were too short for me in that are just fine. Yeah. We can still beat these clowns. It and made then you we feel did. better. Uh, the city bike shop was a block away from my house. I had to walk by it every day on the way to elementary school. And Schwinn came out with the orange crate back in like 1970. And that was a $100 stingray. So 
three or four of the kids at my elementary school were riding around in these orange crate, $100 in 1970 Stingrays. And I had a bike that I had to put together from parts in my garage. Mm. Uh, but I had a lot of older brothers who helped me with stuff. And in the end, uh, I ended up making a cooler bike than they had because I found a steering wheel. Mm. <laughs> At the Western Auto. I remember those that, bikes. That you, did you have a banana seat I with a steering wheel? I banana seat with the... So you don't even know, Totsie. Uh, with the sissy bar. And it was the coolest bike Of in course school. it was. Because nobody else had one. Yes. There were three orange crates. Yeah. Everybody had You those. were into customs early. <laughs> you were on that train <laughs> early. Right but point being is that adversity. I mean, like if my parents had been rich, I'd just drive the orange crate and think I was the coolest guy. This one, you had to force yourself to create something. And I do think that helped me. And I do think adversity that, you know, you look back and say, I actually liked it. I liked it that we had no money because it made you a tougher, better individual. I think there's truth in that. I don't know that there's anybody nowadays that, especially how bombarded they are that, that you have to have money yeah. and that money rules and that your life is not uh, any good unless you right. seek money or have money or everything's just wealth. And I, I agree. I, I think scrapping and clawing for for things i think that develops something in you yep i i i don't know but then you know the gener- as the generations have have gone along no, nobody wants their kids to have to struggle anymore no. and i get that i got kids i don't want my kids to struggle but you, you still have to try to teach them lessons right and i think if you bring that back to like uh coaching or managing a hockey team nowadays it's similar. Yeah. Like th- these kids have everything. Like they, they they're they're not wanting for anything. They get paid handsomely. It's not like coming in in uh, baseball where when you're a young guy you make peanuts right. until like kids come in they sign your first contract. You're close to a million dollars now on your entry level contract. So the idea is that you have to try to either have them you can't manufacture adversity no. can you well and it's again i agree with you because i think as a parent and, and just from what my by the parents, way we're boring totes nah he's great uh my what my parents did to me was you know a very hard-fisted way of parenting what i do to my kids is a lot softer i think you're the same but we're way. seeing that are, are but are i we, think my kids are great i think your kids are great yeah. I, I mean i think but are kids, we not seeing that uh, change coming very swiftly. Now. Well, that's now, that's why this is all topical. I in think. in our sport, where the Heller Highway uh, walk through a wall, do what I tell you. Uh, I'll smack you if I have to smack you. Type of uh, leadership or authority is being questioned. Yeah, and, and as it should be. Well, it's being questioned and it's being it's being tattled on. Yeah, a little bit too. But, Part of that is the wee eye thing of before you couldn't tattle, now should you? And then that, I mean, I do think there's a balance between that because when given the choice, I chose not to parent the way that my parents parented. So then I must have thought that there was a better way. Yeah, but don't you think a big part of that was just uh, most people were not parenting that way? It had changed. I think most people parented the way our parents parented during that time. Yes. And then it's. It changed, and it changed. And I guess it depends on where you are. I think in Traverse City, like I remember, you remember corporal punishment in school. Yeah, 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 you were allowed to get whacked pretty good. Doesn't that seem foreign to you now? Yeah. And even now, when I when I see a parent smack a kid in public, even if it's just a whack on the butt, and the kid deserved it, like deserved it, right? 
I still kind of go, Ooh, Well, like, geez. what would you think if somebody at school hit your kid? Like, my parents were A-OK with it. Yeah. But I would not have been, like, if I had heard, oh, yeah, he got the paddle, I'd like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you didn't call me well, that, and didn't ask Back or then, like Back that? then, the first question would have been, what did he do? Right. Now it would be, well, who did that? Why did you do that? Right. And so it is different, yeah, but I is. also think it's better. And, I, and hopefully it is better. the culture in the NHL is changing for the better. I don't know. We should test it on, on Jeff Totes. He's Do you want to take a beating? He's and a see young whether man. You can no, I'm going to ask this question right now. Have you ever been spanked, Jeff Totes? Yes, but way back in the day. I thought that was going to be a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk to Jeff Totes. Indi- let me say this about individuality, and then you, you, we got to wrap this up because yeah. people are now asleep. I no, think. no, they love this. It's the best oh, okay. podcast ever. Okay, sure they are. They want, they want, they want like a mini series. <laughs> individuality. You're in, in life in general. You're you're either the passenger or you're the pilot in life. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, Still I do. Still now. Yes. Totes. Yes. Yes. Like you're either. An, indi- an individual that takes on all that responsibility or you want no responsibility and you want to just kind of plug along with everybody else. It's a little bit of both. I think you can be a guy who's a good follower, you know, and then, but again. That's called a squadron then. They have many pi- pilots. Yeah, it's an interesting, it it's an interesting theory. All right, I'm going to ask Jeff Totes this uh, big question. Right, I'll push back from the microphone. I look um, forward to this. <laughs> uh, when you were growing up. Yes. What was the process of being vocal fry? Now? Yeah, look at that. Yes. Uh, what was the process of becoming a hard worker? Was that from your parents? Was that something you decided you needed to do? Because as old guys, we'll say, "Oh, the millennials don't know how to work hard," but yeah. you do. But I'm not a very qualified person to speak on this because going off a conversation we had a bit earlier, I'm not a hard worker. I've just gotten really lucky to be in a position right now of something I love doing and something that if it wasn't my job, I'd be doing as a hobby. And that's that's editing videos, stuff like that. And I, I love it. So I'm putting in extra time and really obsessed with it. I so get that. I, I get wouldn't that. say I'm an objectively hard worker. Well, okay, at all. so what about your friends? Yeah, but I wouldn't work hard at some crap that I didn't want to do either. I might do the job. Right. I think but, you would, actually. Eh, no, eh, probably. But. <laughs> I do when think you, that's in us. But honestly, though, when you find something yes. that you truly love, you enjoy it, then it, it's not work. Yeah. That's the whole goal yeah. in, in our world. That- that's why I went into broadcasting. Yeah. I, like, I enjoy doing what I do. If I was doing some menial task thing and I was just doing it because they paid me handsomely or something, would, would I be as passionate and work as hard at it? Probably not. You look at me like I would, but I don't think I would. It's I'd an, fake it. It's an interesting theory, but like I, my family is all in construction, plumbing, electrician, and they're all hard workers. Now, again, maybe they love that. Maybe they love framing a house in the middle of the winter, right? <laughs> roofing in 100 degree heat. But point being is, are your friends, is, is it different? Are we wrong? Do we? Is your group or your millennial uh, age group, are they hard workers? I would say without a doubt, um, and I obviously can't speak across the board for right. an entire generation, but uh, the people that I associate with is generally yeah, very driven, hardworking people. And it's because a big part of people my age now, what we're seeing is people taking these jobs and stuff they really want to do and stuff they're passionate about and putting that to work, and it drives you. Given a say in your upbringing, 
I think, because parents will give the, the kid a, a more say. Does that also help? Does it give you responsibility because you're not doing what your parents tell you to do? You're doing what you want to do. Well, yeah, I would say my parents didn't necessarily want me to go the video production route always, um, but it just ended up working out in terms of that was the thing I wanted to put in extra time with, and that's what I actually really care about. Interesting. More millennial thoughts from And Razor, can we acknowledge the hard work Mike Heiko put in on this <laughs> on today's episode? Things really... Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Jeff? We're going to do that. Uh, we're going to change Mike's handle, though, to Dr. Heike after today's session here. I think this was, uh, this was as touchy-feely, uh, deep, uh, thought-provoking podcast as we've concocted yet this season. And it would only be done with a PhD-level senior writer like Mr. Heike. Thank you, Daryl. And with that, I think we need to go. Uh, I see the clock on the wall is uh, indicating... Believe me, Mike, <laughs> most people have gone already. <laughs> the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts. What did we learn before we sign off? Before we sign off? Yeah. I think the world is changing for the better. I guess that's maybe my lasting thought here. I know. So that when you say world, are you talking about our hockey world too? And the I'm path saying, it yeah. seems to be headed down here in the last couple of weeks. Mostly our hockey world, but I also think that, like I said, as an old guy, we always look back and say, "Oh, these kids aren't going to take care." I think they will. I think they do. Children are they, our future. They are. Uh, what is it? Uh, what does Whitney say? And I don't know. She's dead. She oh. did drugs, but <laughs> but the uh, but the millennials they have a they have a pretty good answer to. I don't. You and I aren't boomers. We're Xers, aren't Something, we? I don't know what we are. Okay, boomer. I'm older than you. <laughs> I, I like that one. It's very dismissive, yeah, it is. isn't it? It's just so dismissive. Like it's I, like you I can say a, blah, blah, blah 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 blah. Okay, boomer. You're gone. So. Adversity, still good. F stars fighting through a little bit of it again, which is fine. And the path that our National Hockey League and, and sports and society are heading down is probably a good path, even if we don't fully agree with the uh, barbed wire and thorns being sheared away from it. We've sort of streamlined things for the individual to become part of the we. I like that. <sighs> Adversity makes us think. That's all. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>